Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Good morning. I want to welcome you to the Rialto campus of Sunrise Church. Welcome all of you to our online campus of Sunrise Church. And it is uh, so good to be able to worship together. And we're going to continue that worship even as we open up God's word here in a moment. My name is Steve Garcia. I'm the lead pastor here. And I want to say a very special welcome if this is your first time with us. If we haven't gotten the chance to meet, I'd love that opportunity. Just after service, I'll be out here in the lobby and would love it if you'd come up and introduce yourself and let me know this is your first time so I could shake your hand or give you a fist bump and and personally welcome you. Well, can you believe we're only four weeks away from Easter Sunday? It's a big day in the church. It's also a day where people are really open to coming to church if someone would just ask them. So maybe there's somebody that you're thinking about as you heard Pastor Anthony challenge us earlier. Who's somebody you could invite to come with you to Easter Sunday. You know, as we've been preparing for this this day, we've been going through a message series on the uniqueness of Jesus. And so we've already done parts one and two, and so today we are jumping into part three, and I think it's going to be powerful. I think God has something incredible to say to us. So without further ado, let's jump into today's message. What comes to mind when you hear the word priest? I bet the image that a lot of you have of priest is probably this one, a Catholic priest. You guys have the different robes and those little white collars. Sometimes people call them father. I bet that's what a lot of people think of when you hear the word priest. I remember years ago before I got into the ministry, I had a conversation with someone who didn't go to church and he asked me, what do you want to do with your life? I said, I want to be a pastor. And he said back to me, you know, there was a time in my life when I wanted to be a pastor, but I like girls too much. Okay, I think you might be thinking about a priest and the vow of celibacy some of them take. Uh, I'm not not a priest. You don't have to call me father. I'm happily married. Uh, But I bet for a lot of you, that's the image that comes to mind is the Catholic priest. For others, maybe you just think of priests in different religions uh, like this one. This is a, a Hindu priest, and just about every religion in the world has some kind of holy man that they refer to as a priest. So maybe you think of a Catholic priest or a Hindu priest. Some of you, when you hear priest, you may even think of this right here. This is a Judas Priest, the 80s heavy metal band. <laughs> Not my style of music, but some of you, you know, maybe that was your thing. Uh, and so we have a lot of different ideas of what a priest may be. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about it. In fact, the very concept of a priest was invented by God. You know, when you look through the Bible, there's lots of different roles that people held. There was prophets, there was priests, there was kings. And people served in in these roles in, in a variety of ways, but there was only one person who held all three roles. Only one person who was prophet, priest, and king. And his name is Jesus. And so as we are preparing for Easter Sunday, we've been taking a look at these different roles in detail. And so in in the previous weeks, we looked at a prophet. If you want to get caught up on that, you could jump on our YouTube channel in Sunrise Church of California. 
Today and next week, we're going to talk about priests. And then the last two weeks, we're going to focus on kings. And so as for today, we're going to zero in on priests. Who were they? What did they do? And why does any of this matter to me today? So to begin our time, here's the million-dollar question. Do you know who the first priest in the Bible was? The answer may surprise you. That answer can be found in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. So if you have a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, make your way to the first book, Genesis. We'll spend a little bit of time here, and then we'll move to the second book, Exodus. So we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Here's what it says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Genesis details God creating all things and giving us purpose and meaning, and the crown jewel of his creation was the first ever human, Adam. And he placed him in this garden, a, a place where he would dwell together, God and man. In many ways, this garden was, was a temple, a dwelling place for God. And Adam's job was to work it and take care of it. That's essentially the role of a priest. And Adam would serve as a prototype for future priests of future temples, that they would need to work and take care of God's house. Shortly after this, God created Eve, and she helped Adam in the fulfilling of this priestly responsibility in the garden temple. And here's how they were described, Adam and Eve, verse 25. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This was the beauty of how things were originally designed. They were without sin. They didn't even know they were naked. It's something we can't even fathom. So you have a sinless God who is able to dwell face to face with sinless people. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve, they threw it all away. They gave into temptation and they sinned. Sin is a word that simply means falling short of God's standard. God called Adam to this, Adam came in at this, and that gap is what we call sin. And now we have a problem. Because now you have a sinless God in the presence of sinful people. And one of the first effects that Adam and Eve felt of their sin was they were suddenly aware of their own nakedness. And the floodgates opened. Sin got into everything. It got into our physical bodies. Death was introduced. It got into our spiritual lives. Our hearts got poisoned. It even got into nature. All of us, every one of us in this room, we're all born into sin. It's passed down to us in our DNA from our first parents. And so God had to, to deal with this issue. This is Genesis 3, verse 21. It says, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Then the Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life, and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. So Adam and Eve were cast out of this garden temple, and although they were separated from God's presence, they were not separated from God's love because God did something very special for them. He covered their nakedness, and he did so with animal skins. This was the first ever animal sacrifice. Something has to die to pay for our sins. And so an animal was used as a temporary covering of our sins. And this would serve as a template for priests in the future that they would copy God and what he did in the Garden of Eden and they would sacrifice animals as a substitute 
to, to temporarily cover our sins. And while the word priest is not officially used of Adam, that's what he was. The first official use of the word priest came several chapters later in Genesis 14. Verse 18, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was, there it is, priest of God most high. Here we're introduced to this mysterious person known as Melchizedek. And he only has a couple of verses in the whole Bible, but he plays a massive role in the overarching biblical narrative. And he was somebody who was influential and authoritative, described as a priest of the Most High God. We're going to dig into his life a little bit more next week. But the idea of, of people doing priestly-type duties was occurring by certain individuals in certain areas. Uh, this, this occurred for, for about 500 or so years, but there was not really a formalized priesthood, one that came with guidelines and directions. That wouldn't come until almost five centuries later with Moses and the Israelites. Moses led Israel out of Egyptian slavery through the miraculous parting of the Red Sea, and God promised the Israelites a land of their own, but they had to walk through a wilderness to get there. And on one of those occasions, God had said to the people that he was going to descend in their presence so they could, they could see him. And he, and he came down on top of Mount Sinai in fire and thunder and earthquakes. And while the people trembled below, Moses hiked up the mountain of God. And this is where he received the Ten Commandments. And God revealed a lot of things to Moses, including this. This is Exodus 25, verse 8. God told Moses, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. So now God was reintroducing something that got lost in the Garden of Eden, a place where he would dwell among the people. He was telling Moses, build me a temple in the wilderness, a portable temple known as a tabernacle, a place where God can dwell with man. The problem, as you may recall, is that if there is a sinful God, he can't be, or sinless God, he can't be with a sinful person. That's why Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden in the first place. So he created this new system, a system where people would stand in between the ordinary citizens of Israel and a holy God. These people were known as priests. This is where priests came about. And so here's the most simple definition I can come up with for a, a priest in, in the Bible. A priest assists man to access God. And by man, I mean mankind, men, women, human beings. A priest assists man to access God. They were a mediator, an in-between. They would bear the blood of animals between sinful people and a holy God. This was God's solution on how he could dwell with people. He said, build this tabernacle. And so here's how it looks. Here's an artistic render, rendering of what this tabernacle was like. And so you see this large structure. It was right in the center of where these millions of Israel's, Israelites camped because God wants to be at the center of our lives. And it had three parts. There's that outer court, and that's where the priests would perform these animal sacrifices. So if you sinned, you would bring your animal there, and that's where the, the sacrifice would occur. And, and people were allowed in that area. But that covered structure behind it, that was different. People weren't allowed back there. Only priests could go in. And that room was separated by, into two halves. The first part of it was known as the holy place. 
And priests would go in here and there's lamps that burned 24 hours a day, seven days a week, representing God's presence. There's bread in there, fresh bread that represented God's provision. And then there was incense burning that represented prayers to God. And so the priests would work and take care of God's temple, as well as performing these animal sacrifices. The back half of it was known as the most holy place. Priests weren't even allowed back there. Only one person was the high priest. And he was only allowed back there once a year for the Day of Atonement when he would sprinkle the blood of animals on the Ark of the Covenant to cover the sins of the whole nation. And so this was God's solution. This was how he could dwell with people. Seems like a lot of work, doesn't it? But this is an indication of God taking the initiative. He wants to be with his people, but because of sin, he had to create this system of priests and animal sacrifices to be able to account for this issue. And so while he was revealing all of this to, to Moses up on top of Mount Sinai, he also told him who the priest would be. Exodus 28, verse 1. Have Aaron, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites along with his sons so they may serve me as priests. So the answer to the question of who was the first priest in this new system, it was Aaron, Moses' brother, the second in command. Aaron was the first high priest, and his sons would be priests under him. All of this instruction God was giving to Moses up on top of Mount Sinai, how to build this tabernacle, the whole sacrificial system, the law, that's a lot of information to, to take in. And so Moses was up there for six weeks. So Aaron was down at the bottom of the mountain, taking care of the people. He was second in command. So how would Aaron, the first high priest, lead the nation in the worship of God? Well, here is his first challenge. It's found in Exodus 32, verse 1. It said, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. This gives us an indication of just how badly addicted to idols the Israelites were. Turns out that four centuries of being enslaved in a nation of idol worship developed a few habits that are hard to break. Once they pressured Aaron, hey, we gotta make a God we could all worship, one we could actually see, an idol. So what would the first high priest do in this situation? Would he lead the people well? Would he assist them in accessing God? Unfortunately, Quite the opposite. Verse 2, Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And this shows the, the most fatal flaw in God's whole system. And that flaw was that human beings were priests. Because priests were just as susceptible to sin and temptation as non-priests. And in this case, the first high priest actually led the way in worshiping idols. I mean, understand that the, the Israelites, they were only a few months removed from the most incredible miracle they've ever seen, the parting of the Red Sea. They were only a few weeks removed from receiving the Ten Commandments. The first of which was, do not make any other gods before the God of Israel, Yahweh. And yet, what did they do? 
they built an idol and they worshiped it and said, this is the God that led us out of Egypt, the God we just made with our own hands. It, it, it's, it's an incredible, incredible failure. A priest was supposed to assist man to access God. So why does this matter to you and I? Here's why it matters. It's because that same command that was given to priests echoes into the lives of followers of Jesus today. If you are a Christian, you ought to be cognizant of the fact that you are God's representative to the world. And people are watching you. Your coworkers are watching you. Your kids are watching you. Your friends are watching you. They're watching to see if your faith in Jesus impacts your life in any way. And so every Christian is going to have to wrestle with the tension of, am I assisting man to access God? Or am I obstructing man to access God? When someone looks at my life, do they see a window into what God must be like? Or when they look at my life, are they confused? Or worse yet, I look just like them. And so every Christian has to wrestle with this question, am I assisting or am I obstructing? And as we work our way through these texts, I want to give us a couple of takeaways that come in the form of a question. And here's the first question every follower of Jesus ought to ask themselves. Number one, do I take God seriously? Because there's a many people who claim to be Christians who are trying to live with one foot in and one foot out. And some of us might say, well, I would take God seriously if he just appeared to me or if he just did a miracle in front of me. Are you sure about that? Because that happened with the Israelites. God appeared. He did a miracle. And they still fell into their addictive sin. And the question that, that we have to wrestle with is, do I take God seriously? Because clearly the people back then did not. And the sad thing was that the high priest was leading the charge. And not only did they make an idol, but they even did something worse. Look at Exodus 32, verse 5. When Aaron saw this, the golden calf, he built an altar, an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. That's a kind way to put it. But the sort of behavior that accompanied idol worship was always sensual in nature. Many scholars believe there was all kinds of deviant sexual practices going on right now. And it was such an offense to the holiness of God that he sent Moses right back down there to bring about justice. Verse 19. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, What did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Moses didn't play. Somebody had to lead. Somebody had to take God seriously. So he came marching down, he shattered the Ten Commandments, melted that golden calf, and then forced the people to drink the ashes of their rebellion. And then he turned to his own brother, the second in command. It's like, Aaron, what happened? You know, this is a, a heavy story, 
and one of the most tragic in Israel's history, but it does have some humor in it because in it contains one of the lamest excuses for bad behavior you'll ever hear about for the rest of your life. Listen to this terrible answer Aaron gave Moses when he got called out. Verse 22, don't get so upset, my Lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. It's a miracle. <laughs> right. Those of you with kids have probably heard some pretty bad excuses in your life as well. I remember my, my little guy was probably about three or four. I caught him writing his name on the wall in marker. So I said, did you do this? I already knew the answer, but you know, you want to hear kids admit it. He goes, no, holding the marker in his hand. I said, well, how did it get there? He said, I threw the marker at the wall and that's what happened. So let me get this straight. When you threw the marker, it hit the wall and spelled out your name. This was the kind of excuse that Aaron was making to Moses. I mean, what an insult to his intelligence. You know, crazy thing is that there's actually video footage from this very interaction. I was able to obtain it. Look how guilty Aaron looks. Check this out. What are you doing? Hmm? What are you doing? Huh? Me? Just hanging around. <laughs> Can't get more guilty than that. I mean, Aaron got busted. And so now came the consequences. And what happened next was actually a very significant moment in God establishing this priesthood. Read along with me. This is verse 25 of Exodus 32. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and shouted, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. The Israelites were broken into 12 tribes. And the tribe of Levi were the first ones to say, we're on God's side. Verse 27, Moses told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each of you take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' command and about 3,000 people died that day. Then Moses told the Levites, today you have ordained yourself for the service of the Lord, for you obeyed him even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. Now this can be kind of hard to understand because we think, well, why would God instruct his people to kill their own people? I mean, wasn't one of the 10 commandments, thou shalt not murder? This wasn't murder, this was justice. This was the death penalty. And God alone has the right to determine life and death. And when he asked who was on the Lord's side, the tribe of Levi were the first ones to say, we're in. And so they became the executors of his judgment. And because it was the Levites who did this, God chose them to serve as priests from this day forward because they were willing to protect God's house. See, God was trying to establish his nation and he wasn't gonna do it with idols. And so he needed to clear it out. And it was the Levites who led the charge. And so from this day forward, if, if a person wanted to be a priest, 
And they were a good, God-fearing person. They did everything right, but they weren't born to the tribe of Levi. They couldn't serve as priests. You had to be born into it. And only if you were a Levite were you even eligible to be a priest. And so the idea here is that God takes sin seriously, so we ought to take God seriously. And he called people out. Who, who, wants, to, who wants to live with one foot in and one foot out? Who, who is it? All the, all the people who are indulging in this revelry, who are the people who are both feet in with God? And many people said, okay, here I am, led by the Levites. And, you know, today we're not under the animal sacrificial system anymore or any of this, but we still have the responsibility to take God seriously. And Paul, in the New Testament, issued this warning to God's people, Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be plain about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Paul's warning is don't, don't be playing around with sin. Take God seriously. See, the thing is, is we all know the truth. We actually all know. We just stuff it down. We suppress the truth with our wickedness. We, we don't want to think about it. And he warned, he said, listen, God's wrath is coming. And God's wrath looks a little different today than it did back in the days of, of Moses and Aaron. Here's what it looks like. Verse 24. It says, therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Verse 26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Verse 28, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so they do what ought not be done. In three different examples here, Paul talked about God giving us over to sinful desires, shameful lusts, depraved mind. It's exactly what happened that day with the Israelites. Idolatry, which led to all kinds of sexual deviance and creative new ways to rebel against God. You see, God deals with us in one of two ways, either hands-on or hands-off. Hands-on is when God disciplines us. It's when he sends a person into our lives to deliver a hard truth to get us back on track. It's when he allows circumstances to come into our lives to, to get us back on the right path. It's when he allows hardships to hit to train us to not keep making these same mistakes. It's no fun when it happens, but it's a sharpening. In fact, being disciplined by God is actually one of the ways you can know you are truly a follower of Jesus. Hands-on is not the scary part. Hands-off is the scary one. That's where God looks at you and says, okay, is this what you want? All yours. This is the life you're choosing. Because a lot of us think that we could be God better than God can be God. And what happens when we step into the role of God? We inevitably run towards sinful desires, shameful lusts, depraved mind. And that's terrifying when God takes his hand off, when he doesn't intervene. And so the warning from Paul is take God seriously. Don't try to live in, in both worlds. In this case with Aaron and Moses, the people didn't take him seriously. And the result was thousands of people lost their lives. We ought to pay attention and ask ourselves a question. How about me? Do I take God seriously? Because people are watching. And I'm either assisting man to access God or I'm obstructing them. That's the first question. Number one, do I take God seriously? Here's the second question. Do I serve God faithfully? 
What happened this day with the priests served as a pattern for Israel, that when the priests served God faithfully, blessings came down. When they were unfaithful, curses came down. And over the years, the, the priests moved further and further away from what God intended. The Levites ended up getting into huge fights with Moses. By the time you get to the book of Judges, uh, the Levites were doing all kinds of depraved things, the likes of which people had never even seen before. But this all came to a head with two absolutely wicked priests who went by the names of Hophni and Phinehas. They were sons of the high priest Eli. Listen to how they're described in 1 Samuel 2. Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Not exactly a glowing endorsement of your spiritual leaders. That'd be like somebody saying, hey, I love Sunrise Church, but the lead pastor is a crook who doesn't believe in God. Aside from that, it's a pretty good church. <laughs> I mean, these guys were described as scoundrels who didn't even believe in God. Another translation said that they were wicked. Another one called them worthless. What was it they were doing? Well, their old man confronted them. Verse 22, now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all people about these wicked deeds of yours. The priests were responsible for this. They were taking advantage of women who were trying to serve at the tabernacle. They were taking shortcuts in their priestly duties. And things had gotten so bad, God sent a prophet to Eli to speak some hard truth. Here's what the prophet said, verse 34. He goes, and what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. So the prophet told Eli, your sons are both gonna die. And it came to pass. Israel lost a battle with the Philistines. They both died. And Eli learned his family was gonna be cut short. And the promise of God was that someday a priest would come who would actually do what a priest is supposed to do. And, and, and it makes us ask the question, do, what about me? Do, do I serve God faithfully? Am I doing what God is calling me to do? What does it mean to serve God? To serve God is to just intentionally put your life in his hands. Say, God, I, I wanna do what you want me to do. And there's a variety of ways you could serve God. You could, you could serve God at your workplace. Don't just put your head down and collect a paycheck. God puts you there for a reason. To, to assist others to access God. You could serve God that way. You could serve God in your family. That could be as simple as, as asking family members, how can I help? It could be as complex as initiating spiritual conversations about God and life. You could serve God through prayer. Maybe you know someone who does not have a relationship with Jesus. Are you praying for them? If not, who is? That's the heartbeat behind our 40-day challenge. Get in the gap and pray for somebody. Without you, somebody might not be praying for them. You could serve God in this church. I mean, this place is amazing. Every Sunday I walk in, doors are unlocked, lights are on. There's people on the stage ready to serve. There's people behind the scenes ready to serve. Opening doors, discipling children, praying for you. One thing that you will never hear us say at sunrise is, we have enough people serving. We hit the exact perfect amount. That'll never happen because God's always doing something new and always inviting us into his work. 
And so the question I have to ask myself is, am I actually being faithful to that task? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? See, the problem with priests not serving God faithfully is, is who would the people go to when they had questions about God? See, the priests, they, they knew of all of these different burnt offerings and sacrifices, and they would stay there at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the Israelites would come up, and they had all kinds of questions. What do we do in this situation? What do we do here? And the priests were their spiritual guides. They'd answer their questions. They'd give them counsel. They'd help people stay connected to their God. But if the priests were unfaithful, then where would the people go? And in your lives, you may be the only God people see. And if you're not faithful, then where will they go? At some point, we gotta ask ourselves a question. Do I take God seriously? Do I serve God faithfully? Here's one more question. Do I believe God can use me? When you put your life in God's hands, he can use you in powerful ways. And for a lot of us, we've already discounted ourselves. We say, ah, let's leave the spiritual things to the spiritual leaders. You know, we, we kind of elevate you know, priests and people like that. You know, occasionally I get that too. It's like people think that, well, if I pray for them, then my prayers will get to God quicker than the average person praying. It doesn't work that way. We tend to overinflate the, the priests and we, we underestimate ourselves. Some people say, I'm, I'm too much of a mess to be used by God. If you only knew all the things that I did in my life, then you would understand I've, I've been disqualified for God's service. But if you're just willing to say, God, I can't figure this out, but I'm gonna give you my life. Can you use me? He will in powerful ways. You know how I know? Because the Bible is filled with examples of this. One of them is Aaron, the very guy who made the golden calf. See, after the tabernacle was fully built, listen to what God said to Moses. Exodus 40, verse 12. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments, anoint him and consecrate him so he may serve me as priest. The same guy who failed was still being used by God to be the high priest. And now Aaron, he still had to carry with him the, the guilt of all of the bloodshed from his bad decision. But who knows, maybe it sensitized him to be a better priest. Maybe he realized that, that when he acts negatively, it impacts people negatively. And so when he starts following God, he could impact people for God's glory. And maybe that's true for you too. Maybe when you look back over your life at the mistakes and all the sinful choices, maybe that sensitizes you to be able to help others who might be like you. For, for those of you who are just drowning in insecurity, maybe that's the perfect canvas by which God can display his power to the world because he loves to use the weak. If you would just be willing to say, God, my life in your hands, he can give you significant ways to use you, give you purpose and meaning. The question should not be, am I usable? The question should be, am I willing? Are you willing to be used by God? And if you say yes, and you put your life in his hands, it'll happen. And there's some in this room who you've never, ever done that. You've never surrendered your life to the Lord. Maybe you figured, I'm just gonna keep doing things my way. Well, the good news is today, I can help you. 
Maybe you sense that God is knocking on the door of your heart and he's beckoning you to, to give him your life and you wanna be able to respond. You've been putting it off, you've been thinking about it. Well, today's the day. And in just a moment, I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. It's just a prayer of believing that God died in your place, that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice to give you access to God. And when you place your faith in him, believing that he is the one who forgives you of your sins and saying, God, I commit to following you, then you'll become one of his children and he will live in your heart and live in your life, guiding you in this, in this life and in the life to come. And so if you've never surrendered to Jesus like this or prayed an intentional prayer like this, I wanna help you do that right now. In fact, I wanna invite everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I wanna give you a prayer you could repeat after me. These are, these are meaningless words if you don't believe them for yourself by faith. So if you wanna give your life to Jesus, you just repeat after me in the silence of your own heart, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I believe you can. Jesus, I believe you died in my place. So today, I put my faith in you. Will you forgive my heart? Will you change my heart? so I could leave my old ways behind and live a life that honors you. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we wanna encourage you to let us know. And in the programs that you received when you came in is this page on the back and it's got a little perforated section. You can just fold that and tear that off and there's a, a little box on there that says, I pray to receive Christ. You just fill out your name and check that box and when the offering bags come by for today's offering, just drop that in and we'll follow up with you and help you understand what exactly this decision means. Maybe you've already prayed to receive Jesus, but you just aren't going anywhere with it. You're stuck, you're living one foot in, one foot out. You wanna, you wanna take the next step. Here's how. Grab your phone right now, text the word next to 909-281-7797. One of our staff members will get that message. They'll, they'll exchange a few with you and customize a plan for you to take that next step. Just text NEXT to 909-281-7797. Or there's a next step table right in our lobby. You could have a face-to-face -face conversation with somebody today. Friends, when, when, the, when, when the priests had moved so far off the mark, these two wicked priests, Eli, or excuse me, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, God sent a prophet who delivered this truth that surely would have stirred a yearning in people's hearts. And I wanna read it to you again. He said in 1 Samuel 2.35, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. If only there was a priest who could perfectly fulfill his duties. If only there was a priest who could perfectly follow God's laws. If only there was a priest who could perfectly care for God's house. If only there was a priest who could perfectly serve God's people. If only there was a priest who could offer the perfect sacrifice that would give people access to God. Here's the good news. There is. And that's who we're going to talk about next week.
as we think about who you can invite with you to church next Sunday. Until then, let's take God seriously. Let's serve him faithfully. And let's believe he can use me. Because God wants you to be someone who assists man to access God. You believe it? Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for not leaving us to our own. But you have made a way to be with us through Jesus Christ. And I pray that nobody leaves here today without knowing Jesus personally in a relationship. God, for those who have been playing the game and chasing after things that you don't want, Lord, I pray that today they would get off that path and run toward you and to take it seriously. Father, I pray for this time now where we prepare our hearts to take communion as we prepare to give our, our tithes, our financial gifts over to you, Lord. I pray that this would be an act of worship, one that pleases you. And I pray that you use these gifts to bless others all over the world through this church. Lord Jesus, we are lost without you. We thank you for your love and for your sacrifice for our sins. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you believe it in your heart, then let the church say, amen. amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I wanna encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one -one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.